Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Now the thing at the beginning of our things. What singing? We, like last few, we've done proper singing. This is proper singing. Oh right, okay. okay I got a bit okay. of a cold, so I couldn't like let rip yeah. and everything. But bit of proper singing there from the mouth of manliness. Welcome to the mouth of manliness. Welcome, welcome. Uh, our hour of catharsis, where we talk about things uh, and we're not afraid to talk about things, which is basically what we're all about. Um, so hello from me, Nick Noise. Hello from Brad Action. Hello. Hello. And we've got a guest, another long-haired beardy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is Adam. Hello there. Thank you for coming mate, along. Mate. Thank you for the invite. It was nice. I tell you what, when it, when I open the door and you see someone who looks like me, yeah. it's instantly it's like, oh, ah. Yeah, right. we, yeah, we're going to be all right. We know each other because our kids went to um same preschool. <laughs> and as you know, I live in Leon C., and it's quite a kind of conservative kind of. Yeah, unfortunately, it's yeah. got its kind of like edgy side to it. But um, like you can imagine, like the sort of mums and dads and that you get up to school. And I just remember, it was one of the. Like I think I'd met Holly by that stage, and mm. like, I loved Holly. She's super cool. Always like she's got her own style and everything. And it was I think one of the concerts or something. And you walked in, and I was like, "Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Like this is this is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Like just someone who's just going to be on level and just like I know straight away that it'd be no problems whatsoever. And um, yeah, it's yeah, us, us mean, against I all of them. I've bumped into anyone like that around our school. Everyone around around here is pretty like uh, pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. To, be as nice as possible. They're pretty hard kind of people, mm. and everyone's like, it's mostly mums and the dads. Like the dads you are about are normally a bit older. Yeah, uh, and no one's got long hair. 
No. And then the ones the ones who are the ones who are like uh who have noticed I've got long hair they'll be like you know, in, uh, we we did camping over the school field and some of the dads were drunk and they were like, Oh, you look like Dave Grohl. <laughs> you must have had that. Yeah, a couple of times, yeah. yeah. I get it all the fucking time. Yeah. I had it when I had no beard. Yeah. When I was young. Well, I looked like Nirvana, Dave Grohl. Oh, uh, okay. And now I look like Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl. So you really look like Dave Grohl like, through the ages, mm. not just like fancy hair and beard. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, Adam, you're a nurse. Yes. Um, How did you get into being a nurse? Because th- that's interesting. Yeah, so um, my, my, my nan was a midwife, uh, and then uh, she always kind of said I should go into that. I originally was a chef when I left school. I used to be a chef. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a thing we do. When you, I didn't really know what I wanted. I was an estate agent for a couple of weeks. I wow. did loads of jobs, uh, but I always cared. I've got a twin sister who got cerebral palsy, so I naturally used to help at her school when I could. And I got a job as a healthcare assistant in the hospital, Southend Hospital. Um, I did that for a couple of years, and then I was given the opportunity to train as a nurse, and they funded it for me, and... Kind of never. Look, I, I did all different jobs. When I joined the NHS and South and Hospital, I was like, I love this, and that was it. Really, I've never looked back. I've been in the NHS coming up to twenty years now. Amazing. So, what, what does uh, what do you have to do to be a nurse? Then is it a degree level? My mother in law's a nurse. Yeah, it wasn't when I started. So when I did it, it was a diploma. So you go to university for three years. So you do half. Uh, you're on award, and half the time you're at university. So I did. Yeah, I did my placements and A and E in all different places, and oh, then. Really? I um did uh yeah I was also doing my essays as well. It's a it's changed now because back then you'd get your bursary and you did your diploma, but now it's degree, so you only get um you have to get a student loan. So that's had an impact on the intake of nurses, I reckon. So yeah, compared to before where you'd it's it has one of the biggest dropouts as well. So after the first term, because most university course you do short hours, but in nursing you do like full-on hours and you do shifts as well you do like six weeks you do nights you do early you do weekends wow, drop right in it yeah yeah and no one knows if you if someone claps they see you in a uniform they're not gonna say oh you're a student they're gonna go somewhere else so you're fully in it so that's why it has one of the biggest dropouts because you go from being at uni to this ward because i worked in hospital before i think i had a bit of experience so yeah. quite blessed in that way yeah it's kind of similar the way i did my probation really mm. is that I, I kind of started off doing it it's like a just like you know low grade and then I did the degree. Yeah. And you do like half, you do like half study, half the job. Yeah, exactly. But you yeah. Get loads of time to do the study, and you go to university, and everything. It's only two years, which yeah. is cool. Mm. That's not so bad, is it? But yeah, obviously you're going to do much more serious shit. So you spent time on A and E. Yeah, I worked in A and E. I've worked on. I've worked on. I'm quite lucky. I worked below the hospital, um, but I did A and E as a student nurse, and I did it as a healthcare assistant to earn some extra cash as a bank. Um, so yeah, I've worked all over the place. I see yeah. some mad. Man, yeah, man. yeah, I've saw a lot. I've seen, I've seen like I, it's quite a long time ago in the hospital, but yeah, we saw a fair amount. Weekends were always really kind of intense. You got young people like really drunk. I mean, like paralytic, and then the next day, obviously waking up and really worried about what their mum and dad's going to say. Yeah, cool. Um, you get, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was really great. It was a great experience. But I saw you see a lot of people obviously mental health issues. Yeah, and it, ten years ago, it probably was way quite a bit behind. You had a few people who were in kind of um hospital and they'd be swallowing kind of cutlery and things like that and i don't think i think we've moved on a lot but back then it was put them in a side room and get a, a specialist nurse to sit with them 
But um, yeah, you, you see a lot of things. It was amazing. Well, it's more like an isolated case, maybe. But now, I suppose mental health is at the bedside for everyone. Is it a bit? Well, yeah. Well, they got they got cams and they've got um. What's you, cams? You, so that's um. Well, that's for children. So that's children, adolescent uh, mental health services. Mm. So that's used for young people. But that you would you'd be referred to cams if you're in the hospital, or you would be seeing a, a psychiatric on call. Right. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's it's different now. Yeah. Um. But A and E, you still have that situation when you go into A and E, and you're having a crisis that you're in a. It's not like a many place you can go and have that moment mm. it's not the best set up for it but i think they're getting better yeah. i haven't been in a or hospital for about uh, 10 years now. i did security in one a and e ward and they we had to go down to the this like a padded room like a, yeah. it, an intake room i can't remember what they called it and apparently the woman everything is obviously like flush and sealed in and everything the woman still managed to rip off tear off like yeah. the, um one of the switches for the door control well that's the it's thing if someone wants to do it they're gonna do it yeah. there's not a lot you can do about it yeah i think the difference uh is is often like when people are in crisis i i tend to say like go to a and e but if you can go to basildon yeah, they've got a mental health wing there, and, oh, and that's okay. that's the key. Yeah, they've and got that there, so you know you'll get reasonable treatment. And you'd like to think it's a good pathway into proper um, treatment afterwards, mm. but quite often it's not. Like yeah. even if you go in, like they might section you for like twenty four hours or forty eight hours, I think, um, and you'll be sectioned for that period. But like the minute like you're you're okay, they they let you go, and it's not always that follow up care. Yeah, that's which the you, issue. You'd yeah. think would be the obvious answer, but then then you get onto outpatient. So I'm an outpatient, um, and then yeah, I mean outpatients can be quite good as well. Uh, yeah, I don't want to diss the system too much. No, yeah, not at in all. many ways. Like uh, that system has, has worked for me, mm. but it took me. I had to be at a point when I was confident to tell them what I wanted. Yeah, and the problem is, is if someone's in crisis, they're just not. No, exactly. They're just not at all. So, um, so you went. Uh, you did your training. Uh-huh. You became a qualified nurse. Yep. I bet that was nice. Yeah, it was amazing. Um. I I I I had unfortunately I was uh, set back for six months. My dad was ill, so I had to wait an extra six months. But it was an amazing feeling. Uh, yeah, I was just overwhelmed. And then I decided. To, so I was in the hospital. I've been in the hospital for like ten years altogether. So I decided to leave. But it was yeah, it was a, it was amazing. And I, there was yeah, it's a weird feeling really. I didn't go to the um, what do you call it? You know when you celebrate the passing out. Yeah, I didn't do that. I did, I find I found I kind of struggled with all that. Like when you. I don't know, it's a weird thing, but I didn't want to do it. But uh, I got my course and everything. But yeah, I was really proud. And uh, I think for me, I was the only one in my family who'd got a degree. Okay, yeah. Like, no one else had a, deg- a degree. I was always the family fuck-up. You know, I was always the one who was, you know, I had mental health problems, but yeah. people didn't, you know, my family didn't always acknowledge that. It was like, I was always drunk, I was always fucking this, and I was always in a band or whatever. Mm. And then it was like, I've got a fucking degree. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, right, I want everyone to come to my fucking passing out. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And it oh. was literally like an hour, really, and we went home again. Oh. But uh, And it weren't like um, that amazing, but I just felt the need to just go, I'm not fucking shit anymore. Oh, yeah, no, de- well, it, I think when you've worked hard at something, it's it's great. I think it's a bit of an anticlimax, though, isn't it? And then it's not until I did the job where I suddenly realised I was a nurse and actually I had responsibilities. Uh, though I left the hospital, I went into community. It was completely different. But yeah, it's amazing. When you tell people what you do, they're kind of quite interested. 
Some people are anyway. Yeah. No, I get that though. Yeah. When people talk to me about my job, they're interested. Yeah. Instantly kind of, oh, how's that work? Then? Yeah. And uh, that's quite a nice feeling. And I think, weird enough, when you, when you, when people like, when I say I'm a nurse, and I imagine you have the same, they look at me and say, they're quite shocked because I've got long hair and a beard. Yeah, yeah. They expect this certain kind of person and, I've never been that sign of person. My nursing's different as well. I'm not, I'm out there or anything, but I, I'm a, this is the way I am. But I think they always freaked out because I've got long hair and a beard and almost like, you can't be a nurse. Mm. Yeah. So the whole male thing anyway, but the fact that I've got long hair and I'm not conventional looking nurse, it can go for you, it can go against you. But I do I get find, that. I, I, I get this response when people are like, they expect a probation officer to be quite smart and yes. everything. And like, that's, you know, formally, that's what I am. But um, yeah, they, they're always really shocked that I am. Uh, and then they go, ah, oh, but I bet you get, like, I bet you kind of get through the shit quick. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, <laughs> exactly. yeah, definitely. I think you can break down, uh, I think, you know, everyone has a different style, but when you're working with young people in a community or whatever you're doing, when you work with young people, I think when you can see someone who's not wearing a suit and kind of relates to it, it makes it a lot easier. But, yeah. I think like that, that, just that very small thing, mm. like, I'm like, people I work with now, they go, oh, fucking rings and they'll take the piss a bit and then they're like oh let's have a look yeah oh yeah yeah and then they're like they're much more interested and i always get told oh yeah nick's a fucking rock star yeah and i and that means that basically like, they don't fuck with me yeah because there's like that bit where it's a bit I'm more like, of a human element yes well yeah i think yeah definitely and you're not someone in a suit and you, you young kids that you work with, whatever you do, if they're having a hard time, they're used to seeing people in authority, so it's quite nice, I guess, not to see that. And we're not. So, seeing what do way. you do? So, let's go into that then a bit uh-huh. more. So, you qualified as a nurse, mm-hmm. and then you said you pretty much then stopped working in the hospital. Yeah, so I went to community. So, uh, there was, I was, I was in, I went to a school nursing in Brentwood. So you basically, when you're a school nurse, I hadn't done my, I've done a degree since then, but you work at schools. And back then when I used to do it, you used to give out condoms at school. Uh-huh. You used to do like drop-in sessions. Yeah. It's changed a lot now. So we did a lot of that. So I did that in Brentwood. Then I went to Basildon and that's where uh, I worked for a mental health nurse. And we used to set ups for young people to come and talk about what's going on for them. And I used to meet a lot of the young guys because I was a guy that could talk to me. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the time it would come out of the kind of condom conversation. We'd be talking about stuff and then something else would come out. But um, So that, that's how I did that. So I went into school nursing. I went to Basildon. Then I got the opportunity to do my degree. So I did a year again uh, and I got my public health degree, school nursing. And then I did that in Hackney. So that was really experience, great experience. So Hackney, there was a lot of kind of gangs going on. But Hackney had a really good infrastructure, public health-wise. They had a thing called Young Hackney, yep. which is like one of the most amazing things I've seen in, in, yeah, a, in a borough. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really amazing. Isn't then, it funny though, because you think there was a period when Hackney was like, the name was Dirt. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. But like, I, I've been in Hackney quite a few times like to talk about various different things with mm. different organisations yeah. in Hackney to look at how we can do things better here. Uh, and Hackney, and like, I was thinking that, like, I'm kind of hackney. Yeah. Actually, they're really fucking on it and they're really, yeah. really good and they actually have invested a lot in people. Definitely. Which is quite surprising. So, when you... Um, so, you started working mostly with, with youths then? Yeah, yeah. So, school nursing's five to 19, but I think uh, I was working with a bit of the older kids. Yeah, I, did, I, I think I did adult training nurse. Um, 
but I kind of wish I'd done my, I was basically going to do my paediatrician as a nurse, but I didn't think I could deal with the young kids being really unwell. And I was quite, I think I, I was quite young still. So I had to, I was quite aware of that. And I used to be a youth worker many years ago. So I kind of worked, enjoyed working with young people. And then this opportunity came up in, in Brentwood and I was like, yeah, definitely. I didn't really know much about the job, but it was quite appealing. And then straight away, I kind of, I just loved it. And you just work with young people and, I've always been interested in mental health and kind of uh, alcohol misuse and substance misuse. So it was kind of a really obvious thing for me to go. I used to volunteer at homeless centre. So I kind of love, very interested in all that. So that's why I went into that. And then obviously safeguarding was what came out of that. And then that's what I specialised in now. You must have seen so many changes in the infrastructure. Would you say 20 years? Yeah so, I joined, yeah, so I joined in... 2001 so yeah coming up to 20 years oh, i can't get me around it was 20 years ago it's i know mental. yeah no, it's mental. if you work in public services like you've got to be prepared for change yeah but yeah, i yeah, think what imagine. happens is they go right you, you know and it also really follows the government so you think oh mm. shit we've got this government and oh shit 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 and as a worker it's really quite scary sometimes mm. but actually the gears roll so slowly that is, yeah. That the changes are very, very, very slow, and then one day you're like, "Oh fuck, old oh, man, going to start." Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're. Really, I think it's a subtle thing. So I think you notice a massive change when you go back to your original thing you did in the first place. Yeah. Nursing's very much like that, and I say I can't mention an awards, but they did. There was things they were doing that they were They nurses say we used to do this ten years ago, and then a couple of years later doing it again. Yeah. And I think by the time really you realise the change, actually you've gone back to what you did originally that yeah. makes sense. and and i think you've hit the nail on the head the government has a massive impact you look at this current government and what they're putting into the nhs mental health it's it's they're saying they put in so many billions but every year you need to put two percent more let's say into the nhs mental health and but then they're, they're doing they're not being doing that and then to be realistic you need to put another five percent in and they're just not putting the money into it and mental health social services and health had a massive kind of drop. i know and then it's like uh, people complain. They go, but we put all that money. Yeah, in. yeah. it must be this. It must be them. No, it must no. be weird. To see I, it I like, don't like the trust ideas. No, I think that is the thing. Things became trust, especially with, like and with how the government is as well. But like, it must be weird for you seeing it being used as like a bargaining chip. Yeah, it's sort of yeah. Stuff. When you go into nursing, you never think cause the whole commissioning things change. But when I went into nursing, I just wanted to help people, and it was very simple. Obviously, I've worked my way up because I want to do more and I've had a family and I want to obviously do the best I can for my family. But yeah, it's, it's a weird thing, the NHS. And I know the flaws of it, but it's an amazing thing. and I'm very lucky to Definitely, work for them. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's a weird concept that it's a business to a point and needs to kind of run on mm. so much money. But we're yeah, we're, it's, it's a strange concept. Really. My mum's husband, uh, he was uh, like, accountant director for Great Ormond Street. Oh, wow. wow. And uh, he's still, uh, he's kind of semi-retired. He's now um, like consultant for uh, Gibraltar's um, their health service. And he's uh, like, and from what he says, is it's a complete, like, basically the administration is ridiculous. Mm. The administration doesn't work. And like, uh, you, you know, someone will fill in a form just to refer to another department within the same hospital. Yeah, yeah. And, it's like, and, it, and like five people have got to be paid along the way. Yeah. And it's like, that doesn't need to happen. But since they change everything in the trust and commissioning, it's like, well, it can't happen any other way. Yeah. And he it, it just basically says, like, 
yeah, yeah, the NHS is a brilliant thing and it shouldn't change, but they're running it into the ground yeah. just through those for, for the administration more than anything else. Yeah, and no, I, I think and I think a lot of organisations have got caught up with that. But yeah, no, you, there's definitely a point. And I think even in things like um, I, so I work in Camden now, and we use a, a system one as our health records. But if you were to go to another borough, they use Rio, yep. so you can't obviously share records now. When I tell people that they can't get a head around the NHS, don't use the same records. Yeah. That's just the community. Hospitals have their own. Yeah, if I just tell you, the police don't. Yeah, and it's oh, really, really? Wow. the police yeah. don't use. Uh, like they use the police national database, but um, you, you can't go into it in another part of England and go into it because you all use a different system yeah. within wow. the system. There is only one that covers it all. I can't remember what it's called. I used, I'll tell you what, I used to know loads of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I could bury people. The thing is, like, but no the crazy thing is, is that, uh, and then there'll be like, something bad will happen, you know, like baby oh, pee or something dreadful yes. will happen. And then there'll be an inquiry and they'll yes. say, you don't talk to each other. Yeah. And they'll go, all right, we're going to set up a new system and we're going to talk to each other. But that system doesn't actually change anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So you get a serious case review. So if you think yeah. of your baby pee and everything, and unfortunately one of the things that comes out is about communication, information sharing. Um, but I, I think we are more aware of it when we're talking about it. But yeah, something as simple as not having the same record seems quite crazy to me, but that's just the way it's gone and that's how things are agreed. There'll be intermittents, like you'll be able to get access to certain bits of information oh, yeah, like, could, through, like, like in an emergency, I, a car think, crash or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. So things like that. I think for safeguarding, it's quite, um, it's a lot easier for me because when it comes to consent and stuff, if we're concerned about something, we can kind of override consent and we can look into it and yeah. go along with social services. In other situations, it's not always that simple, but right. it's a little bit easier than that for, for my current role. But yeah, it, it is difficult the sharing information, that's a massive thing that has to be yeah. Even though, but even in those situations, you, it's not always a well, given. Yeah, no, it can, be, it? can be a struggle, uh, uh, yeah. Quite often, like, say you'd have to get the parent's consent to share that information, yeah. and that parent might be the abuser. Yeah, so that's definitely, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, wow. But you can't, but that means you don't instantly get the sharing of information. You can override, Yeah. but, um, but often that's like, manager needs to talk to manager, needs yeah. to talk to manager, um, so it, it, this is the dark world that people don't know. Yeah, about. It's, it, it is. Yeah, it is, and I think I work quite close to social services, so we can. They do a section seventeen, which is a child in need, or a section forty-seven where they're child protection. They're really worried. They don't need consent mm -hmm. to do network checks. But so we're kind of. It's a little bit simpler than that. But you do have those situations where yep. you, you don't know if the the parent is the perpetrator, and uh, and it's quite different when there's been. It's a whole other subject we go into, but we're just thinking about domestic abuse. When the dad's the perpetrator or the father, everyone's on it. But when the mum's a perpetrator, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah they I can don't imagine. Do it. They well, don't that, like removing those, them. Those are your taboos. That's interesting. Right? Like, yeah, they, you'd think that through something like that, you wouldn't hit the taboos, mm. but you do. You hit the taboos mm. all the way along the line. Mm. You know, there's going to be, and and you know, if you're working with, uh, like, if you think social care primarily a female workplace. Mm. Um, so then if you're telling another mother that that mother has like breached the roles of a mother and breached a taboo, and then you're saying, uh, like, I don't believe her, and they're going, but I'm a mother, yeah. and I don't believe that. 
Um, so you're hitting loads and loads of taboos wow. and trying to breach these kind of basic yeah, human boundaries that people have. Yeah, of course. And uh, I always find that really, really shocking because I'm like, what the fuck does that matter? Yeah, no, and I, th- I think, and I think the thing is, if you look at stats with domestic abuse, it is very much generally it's male are the perpetrators. It definitely is. Yeah. But I think when it is the other way around, there's always a difficulty. But we definitely, it is the perpetrators, unfortunately, generally males. Um, but yeah, it is difficult when it's that kind of taboo. But if you look at a lot of the kind of children, child protection plans within the, the country, a lot of them are due to parents of domestic abuse. So it's one of those things that the I think the kind of government and anyone else need to really work on. Then there's a new domestic abuse bill that's come out as well, which should help that. But it is, it is a really interesting I've seen, thing. actually, there's a few... They've changed some of the terms. Yeah, well, coercive thing. Obviously, there was a lady recently who um, killed, her, killed her husband and she was sentenced to death. To, she, sent, she went down for murder, but she's fought that and she got just manslaughter and she got released. And her sons were very much behind that. Wow. So, yeah, so that's coercive kind of things. But, yeah. Yeah. but what happened... What, this is uh, another thing I guess we were talking about earlier uh, before we we're doing podcasts um so uh, like i we we do like, basically a lot of what uh probation is is it's almost like an insurance company mm. um you um you weigh up risk against other different um you know different bits of information or different things within someone's life and then you balance them out mm. um being a victim or being uh, a child of domestic abuse is uh, a massive key indicator for uh, future um, future criminality mm-hmm. and not just criminal normally like um, domestic abuse is a big indicator for future sex offenders that kind of thing reoffending and like uh, history repeating itself and yeah but, um, potentially worse wow potentially up in the game so mm. um, one of the big things you look for if you're dealing with a child sex offender is abuse within the family mm. and like that could be violence or just uh just fucking standard like emotional abuse mm. which is which is true though when you think about it because i think about it like myself and i think um i was subject to emotional abuse from my granddad and um and that's fucked me up and mm. i and i have homicidal thoughts all the yeah. time mm. so you like i I think that's the thing. I think when you kind of get into this field, you can start relating. It's really hard not to relate stuff to yourself. Yeah, definitely. And it's really easy to get sucked into a hole and get really up, like, bothered mm. about I was going to ask, like, whether it ever... Yeah. You have, whether, whether you have to... If you're faced with a decision and you kind of got a gut instinct about something, but there's, like, red tape in the way or, like, you can't yeah, really say think, what you want to say kind of thing, it I must think, get difficult. Yeah, I think, I, I think like I say, in my... I, I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm very well supported and we've got a really good team and I've got colleagues that are really good as well. But I think with safeguarding, you can push it because as long as I can present or I can show my concerns, you can really push it and say, actually, I'm not very happy about this. Mm. Um, and social services are always trying to do their best. They're obviously under the same constraints as NHS probation, yeah. all of the services. But we certainly... I'm, it can be difficult. Um, I think in some cases you have a... But there's only so much you can do. A child protection plan can only do so much. Yeah, of course. Um, but you, you know, it's very difficult. It, it, I think the job. I think you've, it's a. You can get very frustrated, but then you do see the great work that's going on as well. So. Yeah, I can imagine. I used to find uh, as long as I'd said my concern, like they may not do anything with it, 
Yeah. I've said it and I've pushed it and then I'm like, that's it then. You know, like, as far as I can't do any more than that, mm. there, there, there is process and uh, policy between yeah. me and action. Mm. So I can't actually do any more, mm. but I fucking said it and I've made sure they heard me. Yeah, no, definitely. And I can't do any more than that because now they're like, well, policy dictates that because there is a, there is a wall at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of my role is to escalate stuff. So if someone's had a child protection conference and a school nurse or health visitor wasn't happy about the outcome, they can come to me and I will escalate it. But um, yeah, I think sometimes you feel like you're hitting a brick wall, but I think that's of any organisation. But we, I think when it comes to safeguarding children, there is definitely, people are more aware of it now than they yeah, were they're more ago. willing to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's a lot more difficult with adults. Like I work with the adult safeguarding team. I think they obviously have different constraints, but with children, I think people are a lot more aware of it. And, you know, they're always trying to do their best, really, majority of the time. Yeah, I think so. so I think I, I think that's right. Yeah, and I think you have obviously you have experience where it doesn't work out, but I think you know most people go into the roles that we're doing for the right reasons. Um, and I think you're not doing it for the pay because it's not like the kind of best pay, uh, but you're certainly going in for the right reasons. So I think yeah, you're trying to get the best outcome. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 